All right, we're here for the newest episode of Heal Thyself. Man, I'm Dr. G. I'm so excited to talk to you today about so much. I got some good, good, good information coming for you. And the Knowledge Bomb, I got a great guest. No product review this week, I promise you. I'm coming with the fire product reviews in the next shows. Um, just not today. Anyway, the uh, the guest is amazing. He's my personal um, healer, one of my healers. So I had the I, I I knew I had to bring him on because of how powerful he is and the information he's ready to give. So he came up from San Diego. I can't wait to have him on. But first and foremost, I got to talk to you about a little something in the knowledge bomb. So why don't we just get right to it? All right, today's knowledge bomb. Holidays are coming up. Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm heading back to New Jersey and I'll be flying. And I really wanted to think about what flying is, what flying does to the body, because it does do some stuff on the body. And it's a big spectrum. I know people who fly and they go, yeah, you know, I'm fine. It's, you know, it's all right. I'm a little tired. But there's certainly people who take flights and it takes a toll on them. Um, last year, I went to England, Portugal, and Germany within like four months. And that took a major, major, major toll on me. And aside from the time differences, there's more to it. So what I wanted to do today is talk a little bit about how to prep when flying, um, some of the stressors around flying, and yeah, and what to do and just have, and how to prepare our body as best as possible before we get on the flights, especially, and listen, if you guys, if someone who's listening is a flight attendant or a pilot, um, works in the airline industry in general, or is frequently flying, you have a wife or a husband or a loved one who's always doing this, then this is like essential information here, okay? So first and foremost, the stress. The stress is huge, uh, especially if you're not planning well around your flight. If, even if you're getting there 45 minutes before your flight is leaving, you're already on a stress state. Your cortisol's up, your adrenaline's up. You're already predisposing yourself, your biology towards something stressful. So really having a plan, and if you're nervous about flying, this is even more essential. Have a plan in place so you have one adequate time, more than adequate amount of time when you're getting there. But really, if you have those nerves around flying, you wanna think about, how you can prep yourself as best as possible. So you need to find a place before you even get on that flight, right? Because you got there early. You need to find a place where you can do a practice like breath work and really start researching different types of breath work, meditative breath work. But what happens is that flow of oxygen will get your physiology in a different place in a calmer space. So find a place where you can get alone, at least for a little bit of time. I have some noise canceling headphones, but if you don't just put on some headphones uh, and do a breath work practice for yourself. And then there's so many really good apps out there which you can listen to to put you in a place at a relaxed state, right? Headspace or calm or really nice ones. Um, now I will be talking about a few uh, supplemental recommendations here for, for my own clinical practice that I use with patients and myself, but this is not medical advice for people listening. So if you do have an interest in these, ask your doctor or your practitioner if it's safe, okay? Got to cover my butt here. So uh, L-theanine is one. It's a supplement that I use in itself, an amino acid, which is one, has a really wide range of benefit, and it's for the most part, very, very safe. You can use it even at high doses. Um, this is something that is found in green tea, which sometimes is believed to be the the reason why the caffeine in green tea is negated and it's not the same like the caffeine in coffee. But the uh, L-theanine is this amino acid that's really, really calming. It induces an alpha brain wave state in the, in the brain, alpha brain wave state. And that wave state is really only achieved through sleep some stages of sleep and meditation. So imagine now you're taking this and you're breathing and you're doing mindfulness meditation. You're putting yourself at the best possible way, uh, best possible place to one, if you have a fear of flying, to help you. And even overall, just de-stressing. I think that everyone, when they get on a plane, should start doing breath work or breathing or even before breath work or breathing techniques, okay? 
If you have a long flight, I cannot stress this enough. Movement is so important. Another thing that I wanted to talk about, we are not made to be sedentary, right? Sedentary living is the quickest way to dying. I'm telling you this. So we need to move, especially if we're having really long, long, long international flights. So make sure you're getting up, moving your joints, your muscles, your blood, your lymphatic fluid. Before you get on the plane, map out five to 10 stretches that you can do a few times in the aisle way, okay? One of my favorite things to do actually personally is to work out the day of right when i know i'm getting uh on a flight that night or 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 earlier i make sure that i get in a workout that puts me in a place where my muscles aren't freezing i'm getting blood flow continuously right it works for me right i don't feel like i'm having frozen muscles throughout the flight i'm not super stiff i'm actually less stiff which is really nice you can bring your own packet of ginger tea because I'll talk about it later. You never want to drink airplane water, but you want to bring your own packet of ginger tea, um, particularly because even the tea they serve is crap. So get get yourself some organic tea. I did, I did a little piece on, on Instagram about different types of teas and tea packets. But overall, you really want to get an organic one. You want a, something to keep you warm and moving, get that blood flowing. Um, but remember. Movement is so important, especially on the long flights and even the short ones, you know, from east to west of the United States. Um, when I land, some of the things that I do as soon as I can is maybe a yoga class or just long, long stretch. I don't even have to do class. Maybe I'll just do like a YouTube yoga class, something. I try to get into an IR sauna and I'll talk about later why, but IR sauna is really important for detoxification. I love it. And sometimes getting into a cold bath for the muscles, right? Um, so even if uh, I heard, uh, who did I hear? Luke Story, he has a great podcast. Um, and he was talking about how he, was it on his podcast? I think he was on Aubrey Marcus's podcast. Regardless, he was talking about flying. And when he was in an airplane room or, or a hotel room, what he does is he fills up the bathtub with water and then goes into the hallway and gets buckets of ice and just puts it in there. One, that's good because it creates sort of like a vacuum away from any Wi-Fi because you will get a dose of, uh, of radiation. It also helps relax the muscles, changes the blood flow. It's, it's very therapeutic, especially when you're, on, when you're not moving for a long time, which would drive me crazy anyway. That's why I don't like flying too much, but I do. One thing I really want to talk about, and I got a lot of questions about this, is radiation, okay? So the CDC reports that, yes, we get cosmic radiation when we fly, right? We're exposed to radiation daily, period, right? The cosmos do the universe. We're getting hit with radiation all day, small amounts, but it's measured in something called millisieverts, okay? And we have about three millisieverts per year of radiation, background radiation, right? Just being alive on earth. Um, one flight from the east to the west coast or the west to east coast gets us about 0 0.035 millisieverts. Sometimes I talk so fast, faster than my thoughts come out, so please excuse me. Uh, if you have about 85 to 86 flights per year, right? So these are frequent travelers now we're talking, right? People who are getting all over all the time. That's equal to about the ambient, ambient radiation we get naturally per year. But keep in mind, some factors that may bring this up are if you are exposed to radon gas, which could be coming from your basement, right? Radon gas is one of, I believe, the second leading cause of lung cancer, but you can get two millisieverts in itself from radon gas. If you live in a high altitude city, you're getting 1.5 millisieverts more. Um, if you're getting x-rays, it's less than if you'd be getting PET scans or CT scans, right? So an, an x-ray is a, equal to about 10 days worth of radiation, ambient radiation. A dental x-ray is about one day's worth, whereas you have a CT of the abdomen and pelvis, well, that's about three years of background radiation. And then you get a, if you have a PET scan, which is um, actually unfortunately done more persistently in those who have cancer, um, you have about eight years of background radiation. So it, it, it's person to person. Right. If you have a history of cancer, you had or you've had many of these uh, these uh, imaging studies. Um, you live in a high altitude city. If you ha if you know that you're being exposed to more radiation, then maybe you want to think about your frequent flying or or other options. Maybe driving train. I don't know. Regardless, I just wanted to bring this up um, because the problem is excess radiation can cause 
uh, it can, it's ionizing. What that means is it can cause DNA damage, all right? It's the same mechanism that we use in cancer care, right? When people have quote-unquote radiation, when they have cancer, what they're having is uh, targeted radiation to a very specific spot where the tumor is, and that's causing DNA damage to the tumor, so it dies. It doesn't work anymore, all right? And uh, so what we want to do is reduce risk of cancer later in life. So... Um, there's a book by the National Research Council of Health that um, laid out the risk from exposure to low levels of ionizing radiation, where they scientifically analyzed low levels or low-dose radiation in cancer risk. The conclusion was basically this. All else being equal and assuming that low doses have risk levels proportionate to high doses, then an overall cancer risk of 0.005% per millisievert is reasonable. Okay, so what that means is that if you're having a 100 millisievert dose, that would increase the lifetime risk to about 0.5%, not that much higher. But again, we have to think about what our overall exposures are within a year, and then the next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, right? Because if we're flying a lot, if we have exposures to a lot of these things, these variables that I mentioned, then this 0.5% can start going up. And to me, when it comes to cancer, Anything is anything. Any any percentage risk that it's elevating is enough for me because we want to lower it. Um, again, so the the other part is the airport scanners, which people ask me a lot about, and it's a little tricky, right? There's a great, and I I'll link it on here. There's a great article by Harvard Medical, um, the Harvard Medical School that says it's safe. Uh, if to say it's safe is is tricky, right? because um, they, in, in their words, they said it's an eye of the beholder word and concept. Um, if safe means absolute zero risk, then the answer to our airport scanner safe is probably no. But if it means if it's a very small risk, increase in risk, so small that we really shouldn't be concerned, then the answer would be yes. But this is according to, in 2011, the Archives of Internal Medicine did a um, an article on backscanner x-rays, which is the ones where you walk and you put your arms up and it goes zoom, zoom, right around you, uh, or you can choose to decline it like I do. So the 2011 article said that it takes about 50, 50 of these backscanner x-rays to equal about one dental x-ray, okay? Um, and so that's, that, that would cause a very low risk, about 1% um, of the radiation you would get on a flight. So more of the radiation, 99% of the other radiation is just going to be being on the flight, that ambient radiation as I was talking about. It's a really good article. But they also talked about that not everyone agrees, and it's controversial in many ways because they say some experts may say that the cancer risk may be higher because they believe that the per-scan dose is higher than is reported. Um, so others use different math yields. So in a 2011 article uh, in an issue of radiology, Dr. David Brenner of Columbia University's position was a little bit different, that actually the per-scan dose is higher, and when you do, let's say, a million or a billion scans, then we start getting close to, I think it was actually a billion scans, uh, we start getting more relevant numbers, more numbers for cancer, that are indicative of concern. So, and think about it, you know, how many people go through those every single day per day? I'd be interested to know in one day in one airport, let's say LAX, how many people go through a back scanner and then we do that to a year and then we do that to all the airports in the United States and then we assess the cancer risk. It may be different than what we're seeing as the safe dose. Regardless, his quote was that, these backscanner X-ray scanners might be acceptable given the benefits of possibly, possibly stopping a terrorist, but millimeter wave scanning is a feasible alternative that doesn't involve any ionizing radiation exposure, then why not use it? Meaning he's saying that there's other ways we can do this. What do you do? Because there's controversy behind it, and the truth is it's probably really low, but for me, I, don't, I, I, I am more of a purist that if I can curtail something, then I will. Now look, if I'm in a rush, I'm going through it. If I have time and I'm just chilling and I'm listening to music, then I will decline it and get the pat down, which is not even pleasant in itself. But still, I do that for the most part, let's say 80% of my flying. What things can we, can we do to protect ourselves from this ambient radiation overall? Three things, antioxidant-rich foods. You gotta eat all the colors of the rainbow to prepare for your flight. You should be eating, doing that every day overall anyway, but um, you know, think different colors, strawberries, blueberries, oranges, carrots, cruciferous veggies, leafy greens, apples, onions, matcha, all of these are high anti, 
uh, high antioxidant foods, they're going to be very protectant for your DNA, okay? Ask your doctor about the this recommendation, but I'm going to say, I'm going to talk about the power of chaga mushrooms. Chaga mushrooms are really important. Um, they can be used in um, radiation exposure, okay? What they do is they have high amounts of melanin, and there's so much really interesting research coming out about melanin that is really controversial, but it's a mysterious molecule. But melanin that we're starting to see has, we know it has protective effects against UV radiation. But in chaga, what we see, it's really rich in melanin. Um, I think it was about 25% melanin. But it's protectant, and it's an antioxidant, and it protects our genes, right? So in the 60s, what they found was in these uh, blast nuclear sites in Nevada is they saw thriving mushroom colonies, and then they saw the same thing in Chernobyl in Russia, which is pretty incredible. So they started looking into why. Long story short, what they're seeing is that Basically, these mushrooms are utilizing through their melanin, the radiation, translating it into something else, transmuting it into something else that they're thriving on. So in essence, what the really exciting stuff is, if we're consuming chaga mushrooms, does it have the same effects? Well, in animals, it, it was shown to do the same thing. So it's, and not only that, it's immunoprotective too. It's protecting the DNA and our immune system. Really awesome stuff. And another thing, ground. If you come home and you, know, you, you, you land and anytime you can, as fast as you can, get on the ground, take off your shoes, get on the grass. I don't care if you're in Montana, Arizona, the Caribbean, or Minnesota take off your shoes and get on the ground for as fast as you can, as long as you can, okay? Because, listen to The Grounding Show, it's one of the, one of the surefire ways to reduce uh, EMF and radiation, all right? One thing I wanna talk about and always been really intriguing for me is air quality. Air quality in flights is something that's really important and not talked about. Air quality is poor on flights, period, all right? And this is a constant complaint in the industry from flight attendants, um, poor overall air quality based on what? Well, there's off-gassing, there's fire retardants, all the materials on the plane, uh, but some of these international planes, and actually some domestic ones you'll learn about, they use disinsection techniques. I never heard about it until really the research, but disinsection, I, I, I knew that they were spraying on the planes, but disinsection means it's permitted under international law and it's supposedly there to protect the public. And this is from the Department of Transportation. Uh, but what disinsection is basically the spraying uh, of quick acting insecticide immediately before takeoff or while passengers are on board. And different airlines do it differently, but especially, especially in international travel, there's videos of it where they're spraying insecticide. I always wonder for folks who are flying and who don't do well with flying, right? They get sick after flying immediately with their immune system or they're just run down or they don't feel the same. I wonder, really do, how much of it has to do with the spraying more than anything else, right? More than, more than the guy sitting next to you and coughing, how much does it have to do with the spraying? So uh, until the late 1970s, they were spraying DDT on planes. Northwest Airlines uses Bolt, a pesticide that contains chloropyrifos. Um, there's actually lawsuits from uh, flight attendants that against the airline for using these insecticides and pesticides um, particularly one that I was reading about from an, uh, uh, a flight attendant who developed Parkinson's disease because these, these agents are known to affect the nervous system, right? It's poison. Um, but imagine being on these, these aircrafts, really, I, this is why I feel for flight attendants, being on these aircrafts and exposed to all this crap, and then they can't prove that that's causing that, so they're losing these lawsuits. It's pretty incredible. But disinsection actually occurs in the USA also. Um, uh, some air, U.S. airlines engage in certain forms of the practice, though the spraying is not usually done when people are on board. Um, it's still, I just don't think it should be done in general. It, it's really, it's really a lack of informed consent, and you know what the show is about. It's about informed consent. They should, we should all sign release forms, understanding that yes, this is okay to do, or no, I'm, I'm objecting to this. Um, so yeah, it was, it's, it's really incredible. Um, they, John Samuelson, the president of Transport Workers Union in America, which has over 17,000 flight attendants, labor organization, 
has characterized a problem of air quality on flights being a dirty little secret. And what's happening is we're getting not only possibly those insecticides, uh, we're getting the, what I just mentioned, the volatile organic chemicals, the flame retardants from the materials, but we're also getting recycled air in these airplanes. Uh, it's recycled air and compressed engine air. So you know when you smell that really gaseous, oily smell, that's compressed engine air. It's horrible air quality. For me, this is a really big problem because I'm particularly sensitive to this. And then on top of that, you have someone sitting next to you sneezing on you. It can many ways be the perfect storm for people who are sensitive or for people who are flying all the time. So what do we do? Let's protect our immune system. Let's protect our livers, right? So look into, again, ask your doctor, practitioner, liver supporting complexes or liver supporting herbs or nutrients, liver, 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 liver. You want to make sure, you know, most of these are being excreted or processed through the liver. You want to give your liver extra love. So before you get on the flight, eat liver loving foods, love your liver, artichokes, beets, cruciferous vegetables, right? Sulfur containing foods. We want more of that before these flights and after to support the liver. Respiratory protective herbs. Well, mushrooms are wonderful. Look into that. Ask your doctor about that. High antioxidant food and drinks. Amazing stuff. Immunoprotective agents, right? So when you're there, you want your immune system strong. Um, sometimes I have a little protocol together. Some of my favorite um, immune herbs, you can ask about lamatium, licorice, osha, lemon balm, oregano, echinacea, olive leaf, medicinal mushrooms, elderberry, high-dose vitamin D, vitamin A have someone put together a protocol for you to protect you on the plane because there's no reason you should be going on vacation and then for the first three days feeling like crap because I've seen it happen before. Also, stay away from airline food, please. It's crap. Bring your own food and really stay away from the water. Stay away from airline water. I am saying it right now. Buy your own bottled water. This is a case where Dr. G is okay with plastic in your water because... 2019, there was an airline water study and it was shared via a big press release, right? And what we saw was that air, I mean, uh, water quality on planes is crap, 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 crap. So basically what we're seeing is that in response to these findings, it was actually Hunter College in New York uh, together with another coalition. They put up these recommendations. Don't wash your hands on the airplane bathrooms. Instead, bring your own hand sanitizer. Don't drink coffee or tea on on board ever. Don't drink the water on board unless it's known to have come from a sealed bottle. Okay. So remember, stay away from that water. I'm trying to have you all have a better airline experience, especially to those who are flying and feeling like crap after. Okay. So let's put it all together. Stress, make sure you're handling your stress, get to the airport on time, have your techniques before getting into the plane, get yourself in a good place so your physiology, your biochemistry is beautiful, high dose, high vibration, high strength, okay? Radiation, I spoke about it, but really ask your, ask your doc about chaga, get on the grounding, high antioxidant foods, get the moving in the body going when you're on the flight. You got to move. You got to, got to move. That's going to keep you healthy on these flights. Um, I spoke about air quality. It is concerning. Um, really what you can do is call your airline and find out if they're spraying or find out if they would do these practices that it would be, it would behoove you to just find out, especially if you're a frequent flyer. Okay. Uh, strengthen your immune system, strengthen your liver. And remember, stay away from that water and stay away from the food. Just bring your own high quality, high dose, I mean, high quality, um, nutritious food onto the plane, all right? All right, now we know how to fly. Now we know how to protect ourselves. Um, yeah, man, this is like, this is uh, the topics that are coming are amazing. So I'm really happy about this. Um, I got to get to this guest, man. I've been excited for like two months to get this guy on here. It's going to be a beautiful interview. So let's get right to it. All right, everyone, today's special guest, man, I'm so excited. Here's why he drove up all the way from San Diego. This is my personal energetic healer. He's a quantum energetic healer. His name is Tim Coleman. He is fabulous. Anytime I have a patient who has cancer and needs that help when it comes to deep, deep, deep traumas, I send them all the way to him. Tim, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, Excited. man. Yeah. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I we've been and the schedules have finally aligned. Um, after a while, thanks to your wife, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she yeah, yep. she set it up finally. My manager. Yeah, she and, and manager. So, uh, thank you. Um, man, okay, look. 
I've known you for a while, mm -hmm. and then you've actually were on Nimai Delgado's uh, podcast, yeah, Generation V, mm -hmm. yeah, which I was really highly promoting when it came out because it was for me transcendent, mm -hmm. and there's there were many points and concepts in there that I believe everyone should know. Uh, in medicine, what I find is that we pay with a microphone such close attention to the physical, 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 and totally forget about traumas, emotional suppression, energetic obstacles. But this is what you do, right? You focus on this stuff. Every day. Every day. Every day. How long have you been doing it? Uh, full time about at least 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. Okay. And I, I guess, I guess for the viewers and listeners, what what role does energy play in the body? First well, and you, we know we've all heard the saying, everything's energy. Mm -hmm. So it, it's everything, really, yeah. when, you, when you boil everything down. Mm -hmm. It has a huge effect. Um, I really specialize in the emotions. I mean, that's really what emotions are, is energy. Mm -hmm. And um, how they affect the body, how they affect the health. And when you can get into the trapped emotions, it can be a life changer. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. Many times, I, I swear, most of my belief in medicine is so much of that is trapped. Mm -hmm. Trapped, trapped, trapped emotions. And literally symptoms of in the body are the last thing that we're seeing. True. But, it, but the root, the root is, there's such a big part of that. Now, when you say trapped emotions, what do you mean? Is it like, okay, you know, I, I, I was angry yesterday and now it's trapped? Or how does that work? What's interesting, if, if we go back to like the first six years of your life, um, we're more in a hypnosis. We're more in a theta brainwave. Mm -hmm. So if you think of, as we're experiencing emotions, we don't even know what those are. You know, we're observing. We're watching our parents. We're watching how they react. We're watching, you know, emotional outbursts, stress, talking about money, finances. So we're just downloading all that information. And the first six years of our life, we're creating a reference. We're creating a reference of what is fear, what is sadness, what is a dog, cat, mom, dad. So I like to refer to it as um, you get like a hanging file folder, mm -hmm. you know, and you're putting labels on those file folders. Then after about the age of seven, you're putting papers in those file folders mm -hmm. as you experience life. So you're filing stuff away. And as life happens, emotions, we file those away. And that's in our cells. It's in our body. Mm. And right around 30, 35 years old, we'll start getting a little loose. You know, stuff starts to spill out. Mm -hmm. We start, you know, getting a little crazy or, you know, emotional. Yeah. And that's a sign that that person's running out of capacity. I see. Yeah. Wow. It, that's a great analogy. Yeah. And it's it's along the lines of what you were explaining on mm -hmm. Nimai's podcast. So, so you're saying that, of course, when we're one to six or zero to six mm -hmm. years old, we're just born, uh, we have no concept of what, you know, money stress is. Right. So you're saying that we are we are sort of just taking it all in, trying to like be in line with, oh, okay, this is this is anger that we're seeing from mom today or- it's no filter. No filter. Yeah, no, right. no conscious mind really. Okay. So we're just, we're just walking around absorbing. We're mm -hmm. just sponges. Okay. But the challenge with that is that that's how we identify things in our lives. So it's kind of like software, you know, it's like the software was installed when we were maybe the first six years of our life now we're adults, we're trying to run our lives from a perspective of a six-year-old. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of things don't work. Mm. Um, if you think of like emotion, and um, I tell this to my clients all the time, if you just stop and think, okay, let's think about a, a negative emotion, you know, fear, something bad happens. Let's say you get a phone call right now and you find out somebody's in the hospital, they had a bad accident. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll notice when you experience a negative emotion, you're going to feel something physical. You'll get maybe a tightness in the stomach, tightness in the chest. What that is is that sensory information. It's coming into the body. Now, if you just stop right there, the body is very capable in processing that information. So if you think, of, okay, well, what do you mean process? If you think of like uh, in the wild, you know, you're watching a YouTube video of a gazelle running through, you know, getting chased by a lion. It's traumatized, but it gets away. It'll go underneath the shade tree. It'll shake. It'll pant. Half hour later, it's grazing in the grass like nothing happened. That's what animals do, but humans, we don't do that. Now, here's, here's why. A lot of it has to do with our parents, not blaming parents. You know, they, all, they do the best they can. If you, if you stop and think about when a parent is training their child, you'll hear them say stuff like, hey, what were you thinking? Or go in your room and think about what you did. Or, hey, kids, let's put our thinking caps on. So 
from a very young age, we become so predominant, mental, ego. We're all up here in the head, and that's not good when it comes to emotions. So you go back to the illustration, okay, you get some bad news, you feel something you know, like a tightness in the chest, that's emotion. Well, instead of processing that information from the body, which the body can process like 40 million bits per second, what happens is because we were so used to letting the ego run the show, the, it's as if the ego goes, hey body, I've been doing this your whole life, pass it up here, I got it, okay. So the body sends all that data up into the brain. The problem is the brain can only process maybe about 40 bits per second. Hmm. So in essence, you have you know, the body can process maybe about a million times faster. It's super fast. Mm -hmm. So the brain can't process it. Well, what does it do? Well, it sends it back down into the body and it gets stored in your cells, like little packets of software. Mm -hmm. And with that information, you're gonna have all that information uh, coming in from all your senses. So you could have different things you smelt, uh, maybe taste, what you heard, all that data gets locked in to that trauma. Mm. And until you process it and clear it, it'll stay there indefinitely. Wow, yeah. wow. So it, it, un, until it's integrated, it is stuck in your cells? It's you're in saying. your cells. Wow. And that's where your subconscious is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I always, I always uh, heard that, and I read it a lot throughout books in my time um, about the subconscious being there, the subconscious mind. The mind, the real mind, is, is the, the summation of all of your cellular memory. And some incredible stuff. I mean, genetic data has has thousands and thousands and thousands of years of memory mm -hmm. stored in there. So it stands to believe absolutely that all of that, this life's memory is very easy to bring to the body. Sure. So you said, so animals aren't logically or egoically integrating this data. It's, it's going to their body, yeah, right? Instinctually. Instinct. They learn it from their parents. Yeah. And they see their mom or dad, you know, shake off the trauma mm -hmm. and they just, they don't think there's no logic. There's no logic. Yeah. So then are you saying then when we have trauma, we, it would be best for us to feel it rather than think it more? Absolutely. That's what you're yeah. getting at. Okay. If you think, you know, I, I think of a lot when I, um, I don't have children, but you know, I was one at one time, mm -hmm. but you think about parents, there's so much emphasis external. If you think it goes way back when you bring a baby uh, home from the hospital, what do you do? You put them in a crib and you put a mobile up above. Mm -hmm. you're, you're training that child from the very get-go to go outside, you know, external, you know, mm -hmm. you know occupy them. Uh, you're driving in the car. Well, nowadays they have the, you know, the screens on the back of the, mm -hmm. the um, seats, mm -hmm. DVD screens. But when I was growing up, we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a parent will say, you know, look out here, look here. Everything is external. Mm -hmm. Whereas if um, parents would teach a child to go internal, you know, oh, well, the, you, you're upset, Johnny. Mm. Okay, where do you feel that? You know, point, point in your body where, where you feel that. Mm. You would train a child how to really get in touch with the emotion, and then you could teach them how to process. Yeah. So then they're, they're growing up as adults, and they're not these emotional hoarders. Mm -hmm. And that's what most of us are. We're emotional hoarders. Yeah, it's just stuck and stuck and mm -hmm. stuck. So is it part of your belief that as these emotions build up in the body, they can manifest as disease? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah. wherever, wherever your body holds the emotion, it creates a weakness or a weak link. Mm -hmm. Now, the body has its own language, and it will store certain emotions in different areas of the body. For example, um, like, let's say shoulders. You know, um, let's say you had a parent that was sick for many years, and, and you had to have your parent move in with you. You're trying to work your job and take care of your parent. Well, you know, of course, you love your parent, but they would still be a burden. Mm -hmm. Let's say it was your father. Well, there's a good chance that that's going to create a weakness in your right shoulder. Mm. So now you're walking around with a, with a weak link. Mm. Then you go to the gym or you say, hey, I'm going to go try this CrossFit class, and you blow your shoulder out and you blame it on CrossFit mm -hmm. or, you know, the workout. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Usually you walked in in a weakened state. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to really the importance of you have to process this emotion. And it goes the same thing with disease. It's only a matter of time you're going to be set up. You're going to be set up for some type of injury, uh, weakness, um, yeah. even with the lymphatic system. You know, yeah. I know you do a lot of work with cancer, and that's mm -hmm. a close link. You know, mm -hmm. um, let's say somebody has uh, maybe they were sexually abused or something like that. Well, that's going to create a lot of um, energetic block in the body, mm -hmm. and it will not allow the lymphatic system to work properly. Mm -hmm. It kind of slows down. It gets sluggish. Yeah. 
and oh well now the person has cystic fibrosis or you mm -hmm. know they start getting these tumors mm -hmm. more often than not there's going to be some trauma that happened way back yeah and you know it created that weakness yeah and and when you say trauma does it have to be a, a really big t trauma like a sexual abuse or can it just be really like a life's work of traumas i remember you were saying about like a lemonade stand or something right. in connection to business mm -hmm. maybe you could talk about that like yeah it can just be small mm -hmm. traumas that we these little packets right. that we start sucking up in our body so yeah the main thing to remember is you got to go back and remember that we're talking about a, a six-year-old or you know between one and six years old we're not looking through the eyes of an adult so a trauma could be anything you know, like I, the other reference, um, you know, somebody, is, they want to start a business and they're, they are struggling and they're trying to get it going. And well, the, the, what's interesting is the brain will always ask two questions. What does this mean and what do I do? So as we're experiencing life, the, all this information is coming in through our brain. The brain is looking and it's, it always wants to keep us safe. It always wants to keep things the same. Mm -hmm. but what it'll do is it'll go back into the database. So if you could just imagine... You know, you have like a, a file clerk, you know, at a company and they run down the hallway and they go into the file room. Well, that file room would be um, our cells. So the brain will check to see what's on file in our cells. And it'll check, okay, well, wait a minute. No, I don't feel comfortable you starting this business. I feel very insecure right now. It's gonna start stir up all those emotions because I have all this data. When you, you and your cousin tried to, you know, start that lemonade stand in the, the neighborhood kids, you know, kicked the stand over and called you names and you cried mm -hmm. and they laughed at you. So you're gonna have all that emotion attached to starting something on your own or, you know, going out and being entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. It could be that simple. You know? That's incredible. Like it's, and all of us, I mean, just by virtue of walking around earth in this world is we're gonna experience these sure. traumas. Right. So you're saying that a really good thing as far as parenting would be to have these kids understand what what hurt them, what's the trauma, and then where it is in their body, yep. and then teaching them releasing techniques, right? That would be amazing. That would be great, right? Amazing, yeah. So the last part then was that releasing techniques. What, what, how do we release these emotions? Do we talk it out? Do we journal? Like, what are ways to... Yeah, it, that can have some benefit. Um, now, I always remember that we have two, I see it as two brains. Yeah. So you have, you have the, the logical brain, the ego, and then you have the body brain, which is superior. Or let's say two different computers. Two different computers, they run on two different speeds and two different languages. Uh, some um, ways, it's more logical and, um, well, let's, let's think of like talk therapy. It's good, it has its place, it's very helpful. Um, talk therapy is like um, somebody showing you what your issues are or putting a mirror in front of you. Many of us don't even know what our issues are. And so it, it could be very helpful going to a therapist to find out, hey, you know, figure me out. But beyond that, you're not gonna get into the body through talk therapy. Mm -hmm. So talk therapy is a good step to start, but to really yank that stuff out, you have to go into the body. So journaling, yeah, you can get, you can get, um, you can get some clear, uh, clear emotions from, from journaling. Mm -hmm. There's so many uh, energetic modalities out there. Um, I talk a lot about EFT only because it's incredibly simple. You can't mess it up. You can do it without any training. You could literally go on YouTube right now, pull up a video, and you can do it. You know, within 30 seconds. EFT is. It's emotional freedom technique. Yeah, and I, I would remind mm -hmm. people that there is data out there. There's studies on it. This is like a legitimate thing that people do out mm -hmm. there in medicine. I've had it. I've I've been doing it. I do it every morning. I've done it with you, mm -hmm. um, but can we speak more about it? Like, what, what, what is it, what yeah, it's which, about, how does it work? Yeah, these, um, if you think of like the different pressure points, you know, if you were, there's different pressure points that you're, you're tapping on. And these are access points to the electrical system, the, the body's electrical meridian system. I just think of it as electrical system. So if you're tapping on these points, you're literally sending electrical signals to different organs because these, these um, pressure points are connected to different organs, and that's where a lot of the emotions are stored mm -hmm. in the organs. For example, um, liver primarily is going to produce and store a lot of anger, liver and mm -hmm. gallbladder. Mm -hmm. So um, as you're tapping on these points, you're literally sending electrical signals and you're blasting through that congested um, energy. Mm -hmm. When you do that, that allows the body to process it, it dissipates and goes away. Yeah. So it's... Um, 
Um, so that's one, you know, very mm -hmm. effective method. Um, there's excellent breathing techniques. I've been training like 18 different uh, breathing methods. I generally will only use one or two mm -hmm. um, based on what I'm dealing with. And I mean, you can simply just take um, one, one is the candle breath. Mm -hmm. So you, if you just imagine sniffing a rose and blowing out a candle, and it sounds silly and it's like, well, what could that possibly do? Yeah. But even that, let's say if you were terrified of dogs, you know, and you're thinking about going outside, but you're, you know, you have this terrible fear of dogs, you could literally just um, calm your body down, sniff the candle and blow out, wait, <laughs> sniff mm -hmm. the candle and blow out the, oh, I'm, I got that reverse, yeah. sniff the rose and blow out the candle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you do that over and over again. And that would be enough to process that energy mm. and shift it. Yeah, and that is that's something that we actually practiced before, mm -hmm. and 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 I can attest it, it was really effective as we were going through mm -hmm. it, right? You know, so you have we we cycle through it over and over and over, and and what what I really admired about our time together is that you made me very sensitive to understanding what parts of my body things are manifesting, mm -hmm. right? Sure. And that was pretty incredible because for me, it was pretty much in the same spot in my stomach. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but, but doing these techniques, you can see the difference between before you do the techniques and then after. And right. then you keep doing it more and more and more. And we do it until it stops. And it's pretty incredible because I truly felt that flow of emotion. Mm -hmm. I, for me, it felt warm. Like mm -hmm. my whole body was warm. Like it was uh, alive. Like it was tingling. And... Um, I mean, I was always a believer in this in the first right. place, right? But um, how do you find people or do you have patients who come in there and they say, this is tough, like it's stuck. It's really in there. It's hard to integrate. I'm not ready to release this trauma of the fear of, uh, or the death of a loved one or you know, the fear of molestation as a child. Mm -hmm. it, how hard is it to start moving these deep, deep, deep seated energies? It's, it's, it's hard and it's not hard. And this is what I mean. Um, when somebody s speaks, automatically they're speaking from the ego. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that, remember you have the two computers. <clears throat> so if you're trying to just think or um, walk yourself through mentally, you're automatically coming from the ego. Now the problem, remember the problem is in the body, not the ego. So you have to access the body. So when somebody says, well, you know, um, I've had this person die and I just can't get over it. I'm very sad. They're speaking from the ego. So simply what you do is you take the person into their body. Once you access the body, then you can, you're, you're in, you're in that file folder. Cause a body knows what to do. Absolutely. The ego is trying to make logic out of the steps that it needs to take to do something to integrate right. it, which is why you said it's hard and it's easy, right? The ego is always wrong. Yeah. You know, when every time I, you know, we were using the uh, illustration of starting the business. So you think, okay, I want to start my business and I have all these ideas. Well, that's still coming from the ego. Mm -hmm. um, more often than not, the ego is always going to be wrong mm -hmm. because the ego can only pull from the database up in the head, which is just an archive of your life. Yeah. Which is literally narrow because it's not necessarily truth. It's just what you've experienced. Right. I see. So one, one thing to think about, um, I think people get a lot of value. If they, let's say if you wanted to change something, I like to use weight because it's something you can measure. It's easy. So if you think of, okay, I want to lose weight. If you just stopped and, and thought about it, how do I feel about that? Or you can, you know, get naked and stand in front of a mirror, mm -hmm. look at your body and, and how do I feel? I guarantee you will feel something in your body somewhere. And that's emotion. And so you just go right into the steps and process it. Or you can say, um, okay, I, you know, I've been trying to lose weight. I've tried every book. I've tried every diet. And I'm so frustrated. So if I had the person just stop and think, okay, where do you feel that? Um, okay, I feel it in my stomach. Now, if you tell that person, okay, I guarantee you, as a little boy or little girl, you had that same feeling. And you take the person back and you have them imagine and go back in time more often than not, always there'll be something that pops up. Yeah. Some type of memory, usually they start to cry, they show a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. So really, you gotta go back to that first six years. And that's what I do in my work, is I go back and I find the roots. Wow. And you get to the roots, you rip it out, and the tree, the tree dies. How formulative those first six years are in your life, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's everything. I mean, that's really where everything is established. All the meaning you give things, have been established by the time you're six or seven. 
So whatever a dog is, whatever a cat is, whatever mom, dad, all that has been established. Wow. And, and it, can, it can be something that's not even real, right? Like your perception of cat when you're six years old could be based on that one cat, which was really grumpy and attacked mm-hmm. you, versus all the other cats that are really lovely. Right. That's pretty incredible. Absolutely. So you're saying that we get in touch with our emotion now, right? Like mm-hmm. where, where is it in our body? And then go back through certain techniques into that root. And, mm-hmm. and where did that emotion start? Where did that feeling in the body right. start? Pretty much is what you're saying, right? Yeah, and there's different ways. Uh, usually I'll, I'll, I'll right away, I'll, I'll tell somebody, where do you feel that? So you have to be relaxed and you have to get out of your head. It's a good idea to, you could do some med- meditation. You could just spend maybe five minutes and just relax, get away from your phone, get away from all distractions, take some deep breaths, relax. Then you say, okay, I'm gonna think about, I've been trying to lose weight. How do I feel? What does my body wanna tell me? Mm-hmm. You know. And if you just ask those kind of questions, I guarantee something will come up. It comes up, then you process it. Now you can do the EFT, you can go online and just check out you know, how people are doing. It's super simple. Mm-hmm. You could do the breathing techniques, um, and then you go again. Okay, let me think about it again. Is it, do I still feel the same? Mm, no, I feel better. Okay. And then now that feeling that I felt, where did I feel that before? Do, when I was a little boy or girl, is, do I remember feeling that way? Do, mm-hmm. Is it familiar to me? And you just ask yourself that, and boom, you'll get another memory come up. Uh, and usually now you're getting into the roots, and there's generally going to be a lot of emotion attached. And it could be something simple like... Um, you know, well, I grew up with in a big family, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I wanted an, an, an extra chicken leg, or I wanted some more mashed potatoes, and and all the other siblings because they're older, you know, they got everything, yeah. and so that hurt me, and I connected that to there's not enough, mm-hmm. or there's never enough food. So now here I am, older, mm-hmm. I'm still running on that same software, and I'm overeating, and subconsciously I keep telling myself it's not enough, there's not enough. Keep eating, you know. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It, interesting because the power of like what that thought that you have at such a young age, how we can totally trailblaze your whole belief system. Um, and even also interesting is what you said. As we're doing those practice, we'll get those memories come up. What I found is sometimes in meditation, like I, sometimes I'll go in with an intention. I'll be like, I want to explore this. And I'll meditate, I'll meditate. And I'll have visions and thoughts and memories that in my waking life, I would never be able to touch back on. But when you shut off all those distractions, that subconscious is like, hey, remember this? And I was like, no, I don't. Wow. <laughs> and like, right. I, you, and even in your meditative state, you actually realize that this is a thought that you don't remember. You're like, oh my God, where did this come from? Um, so I'm assuming that your body is always trying to talk to you with its subconscious. Always. A lot of aches and pains. Your body's trying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. It's like that check engine light on your car. You, know, you can ignore it for a while, but you don't want to end up, you know, broken down on the side of the road. Yeah. And that's how the body works. Um, and here's another thing that I think is really important for people to really get. Whatever we're trying to do, whatever, if we're trying to change something, I imagine most people that are going to be listening to this or watching this, they're coming here because they want information. Maybe they want to change something. They want to, you know, get better. Well, if you think about anything you want to do, your brain, remember, your brain was always going to go back into the database. So if you think of um, going back to the analogy of, okay, let's say you have a business and you have that file clerk that you know goes down to the file room. Well, let's pretend that you have a business and you know the IRS is going to audit you in a week. Well, you better go in your files and make sure everything's lined up, everything's accurate, that there's not uh, information that's going to get you in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, this, it's the same thing. If if I want to um, start a new relationship, let's say I've been divorced a couple of times and I want to start a new relationship, I better go back and do an autopsy on the last two relationships. Mm-hmm. I better go back and see, okay, what happened? What hurt me? How did I feel? I have to clean all that emotion up because if I don't, that's, that inf- that's the energy that I'm broadcasting. And as I step into the new relationship, I'm going to be subconsciously in a way, I'm going to be broadcasting uh, maybe hurt, insecurity, mm-hmm. and which will get me more of that. Yeah. So anybody listening, whatever you're trying to do, whether you're trying to start a you know, business, lose weight, um, start a relationship, uh, start a family, go in your file cabinet first 
clean it up and it will make an amazing difference. Yeah, because you go in there anew with a new vibration rather than the same pattern that's been right. happening all your life in relationships, in business, in weight loss, whatever it may be. Incredible, the, the true roots that we're talking about versus let's say, you know, here's a weight loss program, here's a diet. Oh, this worked for a little bit, now it didn't work. Right. Because we're not getting to the root. The same thing, it's like, if you're presenting with these issues, let's say these skin issues, and I'm giving you the best supplements mm -hmm. ever and the best diet ever, but it doesn't go away, maybe it's a little bit deeper, right? Absolutely. And, and you said, like you said, the body's always trying to talk to you, and it manifests differently for different people. I remember when we were at um, Dr. Angie's party, I was talking to you, and I, I was like, just, I didn't let you know anything, but right. you, you already <clears throat> felt, you knew that it was a lot of this yeah, energy was yeah, in my the stomach. stomach. Yeah. Yeah, and it was true, and that's mm -hmm. when I was like, how the heck did this guy know yeah. that? Um, do you find yourself sensitive in this line of work to other people uh, because of this? It, yeah, anything you do over and over again, you get very used to it, and it's just automatic. I think the way I look at it is, is we all have these subconscious computers, mm -hmm. and if we just get out of the way, um, we can all do the same thing. You know, the subconscious, our subconscious will talk to other subconscious. It's, it speaks the, ang the language of energy. So when you know what to look for, or you just, you know, I'm usually not in my head. Like right now, I'm thinking more about my feet, mm -hmm. <laughs> or I'm 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 more present in my feet. Yeah. And um, that's when I'm doing my work that keeps me out of my ego. And when you stay out of your ego, you you'll automatically just feel stuff. Yeah. You know, and you can you can connect with people, and you can you'll get a good understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I always say the the most powerful way to create is when you're outside of your ego. Right, and I, I guess that's what meditation does. It brings you out of your ego, right. in many ways, right into your body, into your subconscious. Right. And from that state of presence, that, that our normal state, the reality is when we're the most powerful um, to make changes in our life or to, to create from scratch, basically. Um, so do, are you then, are you, I know the answer to this, but are you a believer that a lot of this chunk of what drives chronic diseases and cancer has a lot of these roots in long-time traumas? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Any, any person that I've ever worked with with cancer, they're 100%, there always has been a trauma. Um, way back, and again, the body has a certain language. So for example, let's say if we're talking about breast cancer. Well, what I've seen in, in uh, breast cancer is a lot of that emotion of loss, um, sadness, sorrow, emptiness. Um, because that's where the body will store, you know, you have, the, you have these energy centers in your body. So you have the uh, heart center, and that's generally where you're going to hold those loss emotions. You know, mm -hmm. maybe you had a, uh, you had a miscarriage, or mm -hmm. you had a child that died, or you went through a, a bad divorce. Now that's something that's been taken away, and I've seen that is um, a common uh, issue with that type of cancer or wow. let's say um, you know somewhere else like up in the brain you know there's every part of the body there's a certain emotion there mm -hmm. and there'll be a certain trauma mm -hmm. and if you can go back and and clear the trauma then that allows the body to heal or much faster yeah because it, it is a, it, it is going to create a weakness for sure so it doesn't matter what treatment if you're you know getting chemo or whatever you're doing if you're under the care of a, a doctor it will only enhance and improve your your ability to heal if you get the negative emotion out of the way. A thousand percent. Yeah, I call them obstacles to healing or obstacles to curing. Um, careful with the word cure, but I say healing a lot because healing isn't just you know your propensity eating crappy diet because you're addicted to sugar. That's an obstacle, but a, the real obstacles are why you're addicted to sugar. Mm -hmm. You know what happened early on. What's your thought process around it, and where in the body is it manifesting? You just uh, triggered a, one. Okay, this is a neat story. One of my clients, um, she was addicted to chocolate. Well, I already know that there's going to be an emotion to that. And um, long story short, she grew up in a family where they really didn't show her love. She didn't feel love. She didn't get attention. But she had a grandmother that ran a, uh, a donut shop. So every time she would go home from school, she would pass her grandma's donut shop. And her grandma would always have a fresh uh, tray of chocolate donuts. And so her grandma was really the only one that really showed her love and attention. So in, as a child, she connected that as love and affection. So here she is, you know, many years later, um, she's still going after that chocolate to get 
love and affection. Mm-hmm. Especially the time she doesn't feel love right. and affection, which is, and I, I actually challenge all the viewers and listeners to do this, is in those times where you are feeling your lowest or um, not self-loving and certainly not receiving what you think is love from the outside world, what are your habits? What's really coming up, right? What are you looking to do? I know me personally, if I feel like that, I don't want to be alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm out and about, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the social butterfly that I am. But I've actually been challenging myself when I feel like that, let me be alone. Really uncomfortable, but let me be alone. And that's my process. But, you know, other people have different ways they go, different addictions. Right. Right. Yeah, you got You have to go to the motion. And, yeah. and um, if I get just one point across... Go to the emotion, and that's an area where a lot of people are just not looking. Um, there's so much, I see so much um, self-help. Um, I have so many clients that come in. They have a bookshelf of diet and, and all this information. There's nothing wrong with the information, but that's all logic. It's all ego. Mm. Okay, so why, why are you still struggling with your weight? Well, because you didn't go into the body. It's a body problem, not a brain problem. Mm. You can't fix uh, a body problem with the brain two different computers. They speak two different languages. So if people just get into the emotion and find out, okay, what emotion is this? What is holding me back? How do I feel? What does my body say? How does my body feel? If you can just identify it and then use some of these very easy techniques to process it, it will be life-changing. I guarantee life-changing. Me too. I guarantee it. And it, stop it, wasting time. Is so. I see people waste so much time and energy. Yeah. And I, I was talking to one person and, uh, you know, she went to therapy, which is good, but she's went for like 18 years to get over her issues with her dad. And it's like, come on, you know, <laughs> that's a waste of time and money. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. Because again, it's logic, it's ego-based. It's awesome to show you what is in front of you, what your habits are, but the real roots are in the subconscious. Right. Wow. And you, and you have to go back to that. You know, it's like peeling an onion. Humans, I see humans as like onions. So you peel back the, the onion, layer the onion, you address the issues, peel back another layer, another layer. Uh, so you have to peel back those layers. Sometimes it may be a little difficult to go right into, if, if it's a heavy trauma, the body's very smart and the body knows what it can handle. So if there's anybody out there that they know, you know, maybe they went through a very severe trauma, mm-hmm. more often than not, the body is not going to let them go there mm-hmm. or they may not be able to identify the emotion or clear it. I understand. So I just want to let everybody know out there that if you in, are in that situation, don't get discouraged. Start with something easy like, you know, the neighbor next door putting the sprinkler on and getting spots on your car. Yeah. Go with that and, and then slowly work back and then get into the heavier stuff because more, more than likely the body's not going to be ready. Yeah, for sure. I think for a lot of us, we, we hold in some deep traumas where we don't want to look at it yet. Right. But or you're, if you're a big meat eater, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you eat a lot of acid and, and low um, vibration food, you're not going to have the energy to really get deep either. I've noticed that in a lot of people. Wow. Wow. Okay, so uh, how, uh, look, you're in San Diego, right? Right. How do people find you? Um, how, how do they come to you? Do you... Instagram is uh, probably the easiest. I, um, I mean, I'm really slammed with, I mean, I'm really busy. Um, yeah. So you always are, man. I, it's yeah. hard to get a hold of you, yeah, man. Yeah, sometimes just... it's hard to, um, I'm probably at least a couple months out, you know, yeah. booked out in advance. Yeah. Um, however, I'm more than happy to answer questions. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, you know, I'm going to be doing some other programs going forward, some good. education programs good, and things good, where good. I can uh, meet with many people at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe do some Zoom meetups and stuff like that okay. where I can impact a lot more rather than just one-on-one. But yeah, reach out to me on Instagram. Synergy Health, is it? Uh, Tim, Tim.Coleman underscore. Okay, Tim.Coleman uh, underscore. Right. Okay. And um, website or anything? Or? Uh, Synergy Health Services. Synergy Health Services. Okay. Yeah. You got you to gotta release a book. We're waiting on this book. Yeah, it's... That's what we need. Right. From right. you. Because um, it's going to be a game-changing book. Because I think the way that you put your analogies forward makes it very easy to understand for people what they need to look for or what this process looks like. Yeah, you have to you have to keep it simple. Yeah, you have to really keep because it simple. The, the average person, um, you know, there's a lot of brilliant people out there. Yeah. And sometimes I have to listen to it over and over again, even though, and I know what they're talking about, but yeah, the average person, you got to keep it simple to where they can understand it and visualize it and see it. What is brilliant information if you can't disseminate it to people? Right. Who don't know anything about it, right? It, uh, that's, that's my 
mantra here. Mm -hmm. um, okay, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm deeply grateful. I know the viewers and listeners are, and uh, you're doing incredible work. Thank and you. I need to come down and see you, so you need to put me in ASAP, yes. okay? Yes, absolutely. All right, man, thank you. All right. Oh, man, I'm telling you, this guy is amazing. Uh, Tim should be proud of himself. It's, it's really incredible stuff. This is right up my alley. When we can talk about how to better our health, from the root standpoint, we are energetic beings. Because we are energetic beings, we have to make the energetic intervention first. Then we worry about all the physical stuff like supplements and diet and whatnot. Really, the important stuff is those traumas that are holding us back from, from our whole system functioning to its highest vibration, okay? Listen, it's all love. I'm bringing everyone here to teach everyone here how to be their best selves, how to live your best life. That's what we do here. Thank you for supporting the show, rating, reviewing, subscribing, keeping it going, keeping it flowing, keeping it high vibe. I love you all. Until next week. <laughs>